chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He was come from God and went to God, He riseth from supper and laid aside His garments, and took a towel and girded Himself. After that, He poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith He was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, You are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen. But that the Scripture may be fulfilled, He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am He. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had said this, He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray Me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom He spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to Him that He should ask who it should be of whom He spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto Him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this to him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. 
Therefore, when He was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God be glorified in Him, God shall also glorify Him in Himself, and shall straightway glorify Him. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You shall seek Me, and as I said to the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come, so now I say to you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Simon Peter saith to him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. That's more reading than I normally like to do, but um, in my opinion, John chapters 13 through 17 to me are probably the richest, um, the richest message that Jesus ever spoke. It was a mere hours before his death. And John is the only one who records these things. And I don't know if that's because maybe John asked him privately or John wrote this about 30 years after it happened. And um, That song we sang a while ago about going back to that altar so many years ago. You know, in, in clarity, I can still see that. Just like it just happened. John wrote this about 30 years or so uh, after the fact. And, and I believe it was as it just happened uh, that he remembered it so beautifully. Uh, but nowhere else in my estimation in the entire Word of God do you see into the mind and heart of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like you do in these four chapters in the book of John from 13 to 17. It was the night uh, that most of the time when we refer to this night, uh, we refer to it as the night that He instituted the Lord's Supper. And so He did. Uh, but, uh, but it was also at the Passover time and, and they had different meals and feasts that they would do and, and, and Jesus had instructed His apostles to go and do a place and, and you'll meet a man, He said in other Gospels, that has a room furnished. And, and it was there in that upper room uh, that Jesus began to tell His apostles one more time that His life was about to end. Uh, that the Son of Man must go uh, all the way up until this point uh, in the Scriptures, when men would try to take Him, the Scripture says it plainly, His hour was not yet come. And so He was under the protection of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Father, for His hour had not yet come. Uh, but as we read in, in the opening verse of this 13th chapter, it says, Now uh, before uh, the Feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour was come, so He knew that this was not hid from Him, he knew that now His hour was come. Another Gospel in this same moment uh, says that with great desire, I have desired to eat this with you before I suffer. Uh, he knew that His time before His death was at an end. Uh, I knew it would very well be the last night that He could gather together uh, with those whom He loved and whom He had chosen. Uh, and, 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 and He tried to impart unto them some, uh, some spiritual things that, uh, that no doubt they carried with Him for the rest of their days. Uh, and John pinned them down. But it said, having loved His own, 
that were in the world, He loved them unto the end. That word means there is no end. He loves them to the fullest. Because He lives forever, He loves us forever. And so there is no end. But in this time, if you could go back, we, we, we often see this portrayed in, in beautiful artwork and paintings. It says the devil having, having art. I think the devil had been after somebody to betray our Lord for a long time. I think he'd been looking and I think he finally found his man. I think probably Satan had been influencing Judas for quite some time. I figured that he had been probably working on his heart for some time. And so all of a sudden uh, he has his man. And it says, Supper being ended, the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing all of these things, he knew who he was, that he come from the Father, that he went back uh, to the Father. But there was one thing he wanted to do to these apostles and he told them, you're not going to understand this now. You're not going to understand what I'm about to do. I find myself in the the unique position, unique in the fact that not everybody is called uh, to preach. And and sometimes it can absolutely be a burden. Sometimes it it can absolutely cause anxiety and depression of spirits uh, and all of these different things. But there are times that uh, that I just can't believe and begin to thank God that uh, that He called me to do this for a living. That that I get to tell people about His Son. And so... uh, it seems as we was talking to the Lord this week, that's, uh, that's the message that He said. He uh, said, just go and tell them what I've done to my apostles that night. They didn't understand it. Maybe we don't understand it. But, uh, but in the, uh, we, we see these uh, pictures and artwork. Can you bear with me? And they're always so pristine and so pure and so sweet. Uh, and it pictures uh, the apostles sitting there around a table that's a lie. That picture that you see is a lie. And they weren't at an upright table. They were at a low table. Uh, almost like a coffee table in that day for this formal feast. And they, uh, they would sort of lay down and recline. It was a laid back event. Uh, and so they would sort of recline down and lay uh, lay on one elbow and, and their feet were out behind them. Uh, but in these pictures you see, and I'm going to try to preach to you uh, the very last night that he ever had to live. What would you do? Uh, let me ask you this. If you knew that today was the very last day that you would ever spend, and tonight would be the last night that you ever had on this earth, what in the world would if you knew that and Jesus wasn't like like those we see depart those that we see when they know they've come down to the end as Sister Debbie said they get into hospice care and they know that their time is coming to an end but there's not a great deal that they can do about it because they're weak and they're feeble and and cancer or some disease has ridden their body but not here Uh, he was in a picture of perfect health in the prime of his life and so if you knew that tonight would be the last night that you would ever spend with your family what would you want to say to them what would you want to impart unto them? What would you want to do? And probably if it was me, I would want to do things that I enjoy. I'd want to do the things that make me happy. I'd want to, I'd want to watch Kentucky maybe one more time lose or whatever. I'd, I'd want to do something that, that brings me satisfaction. Something that, uh, that I could leave this world uh, on knowing uh, uh, that, that I had fulfilled things or whatever it is. Uh, but I want you to understand today that uh, the very last night before his death, he washed feet. Let that settle in just a minute. 
those pictures that we see, that's a lie. Uh, most of let me just stop right there. I didn't think I'd say this, but I'm going to. How we portray ourselves on Facebook and social media, you think those families have it all together. Because the pictures you see, everybody's looking happy and posed. That's sometimes a lie. We live in a virtual world that that's not true. I mean, those people have problems just like we do. And those pictures we see of our Lord in pristine white washing disciples' feet that are spotless and pure, that's not the way it was. It was humiliating. We tend to think He humbled Himself, and He did. But what He did was more than humbled Himself. He did something that was so degrading. And so humiliating. It was something that even even Abraham, when angels came to visit Abraham, Abraham didn't wash their feet. He didn't even make Sarah wash their feet. You know what he did? He said, go and bring a, a bowl of water and they can wash their own feet. Even Abraham didn't do that. But in this culture, we look at it from a... 21st century mindset that, that we don't think it was that big of a thing. But in that culture, in the, in the Middle East in those days, uh, uh, those roads were dirty, they were filthy, they were nasty. And so that picture that we see is a lie. Uh, he really, uh, when he bent down and got eye level with him, uh, he washed their feet and they were filthy and they were smelly and they were disgusting and they were dirty. It was something that even slaves lots of times weren't even nice to do. Uh, but he washed feet. And, and I thought about that. And he said, you're not going to understand this, so let's take a broader look and see what he said. And now keep in mind, they were eating this Passover meal, the last supper and the Lord's supper, uh, the last meal that he would have with him uh, before he was killed and crucified. And he knew all of these things. It says he riseth from supper and, and, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself but you look in the big picture and what is he actually saying here? I think we get a glimpse into what he was doing before he ever was born in that manger in Bethlehem of Judea. I think you can see a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ in the heavens. And as we had, had the time came that the fullness of time would come, what did he do? He simply rose up from his throne. What did the scripture say? He rose up from supper. They wouldn't expect him that. He just rose up all of a sudden uh, uh, in the middle of while they were eating. There was a there was a meal, and then he instituted his Lord's Supper, and probably sometime in between, but very unexpected. He just rose up, and 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 what does it say again? He rises from supper and laid aside his garments. Uh, there was a day about two thousand years ago. He rose up from his throne. He took that holy garment that was about him, and he laid it aside uh, just to wash feet of people like me. Uh, there was a time uh, 2,000 years ago that he rose up from that throne. Uh, he looked around at the holy angels and at the holy father. He looked at all the beauty that surrounded him. Uh, and my friends, this was the creator of all men. Uh, the creator of all things. Uh, a man so holy and a being so great uh, and so infinite and so mighty uh, that the angels bowed down to his feet and the angels worshipped him. And he simply laid aside his garment and laid aside that glory that he had covering him in heaven above. Just laid that all aside. And what does it say? He laid aside his garments 
He took a towel and he girded himself. He laid aside all of his glory and all of his splendor and all of that. And he girded himself with the form of a servant wrapped up in human flesh. He didn't take upon himself the nature of angels. He took upon him the seed of Abraham. Isn't that a remarkable thing? The incarnation of our Lord and Savior, that one so mighty and so holy and so pure and so good, I would even dare to come down and condescend with men. But if that wasn't enough, this night gives us a glimpse on who He is. As we said a while ago, He could have done a million things on that night and He chose to wash their feet. That's quite a thing. Uh, the Lord of all creation bowing down uh, to what even the slave wouldn't even be asked to do in that day. He bowed down and he washed their feet. He laid aside that towel and laid aside his garment, took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin. But after that, he poured his blood out. That's what it's getting at. He poured that water into a basin to wash their feet. They didn't understand what was happening. And you see, they were so prideful. I think they would have washed his feet, but he he didn't even demand that of them. But I think any one of those twelve would have bowed down and gladly washed his feet. But here's the problem. If they washed his feet, they would look around. They didn't want to wash one another's. That's the thing. They, they didn't care to wash his, but they would no way degrade themselves. Why do you say that? Because as they were entering into that place, we have a mindset into what those apostles were thinking. They were talking in the way which of them should be the greatest. And so that's what they were talking about. Which of them should be the greatest that the Lord had called? Which of them should do the greatest things? And as they were talking amongst themselves, which of them should be the greatest? Their Lord and their Master ungirded His glory and bowed down and began to wash their feet. Quite a a remarkable thing. He laid aside his towel, laid aside his glory, laid aside his pride. We were at a place this week and, and a place where we were staying and, and everybody was so friendly and so nice. Uh, but you know what? Uh, most of them weren't American. They were Hispanic or a lot of Russians. Uh, and I thought about that. And, and, and you know what? We've got to the place in our culture we think jobs are beneath us. We really do. Uh, we think people are beneath us. We think jobs are beneath us. And uh, let me tell you, when I was in school, I got a job at 16 years old. You know what that job was? It was cleaning the bathrooms in a sewing factory. And after school, that's what I did. It was humiliating. You know what Jesus did? If you could put that in today's culture, it would be like you going to a brother's home or a sister's home with a dirty toilet brush and cleaning their dirty toilets. And that would give you an idea of how humble and submissive He was. I mean, He washed their dirty feet. They weren't pristine. They were dirty. They were filthy. They were smelly. They had been walking those dusty lands. He washed their feet. And after He was done, what does it say? He just went and sat back down. What does the Scripture say? That after He fulfilled everything that God had given Him to do, after He poured out His blood just as He poured out the water into a basin, after He poured out His blood on Calvary's tree, after He rose from the dead, what does the Scripture say? 
he sat down at the right hand of the Father. I think that's what he meant. He said, you don't understand what I'm doing to you now. Simon Peter said, Lord, you should never wash my feet. And not you, not you, not you should ever stoop that low. And Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter said, don't just wash my feet but wash my hands and my head and my whole body. What did Jesus say? He said, He that is whole needeth not save to wash his feet. What does that mean? It means that as we go through this life, if you've been saved, if you've been washed in the blood, now that's the washing that you need most of all, but if you've been washed in the blood, I know that you will meet people in this life. If you've not yet, you'll run across them. They don't believe the way we do. They think that once they're saved, they're fully sanctified and completely spotless, completely sinless. I've, I've heard of people uh, testifying in a, in a service where, uh, where people were pouring their sins out of the Lord and confessing their faults. I heard a brother one time that stood and said, I have nothing to confess. All my sins are forgiven and they're under the blood. Well, that may be true, but your feet still get dirty. Your feet still get filthy in this sinful land. And so we need that daily cleansing of our feet. In that time, in that culture, everywhere they went, they would enter into a home and a, a basin of water would be provided for those men to clean their feet because it was the thing to do before they sat down to eat. Now that was the proper, I guess, thing to do. And so, in this life, we that have been saved, we need a daily cleansing. And we get dirty, we get muddy. And Simon Peter finally began to understand. But I thought, who, you know who else Jesus knew? He said, I know one of you is going to betray me tonight. He said, I've chosen you. I've walked with you and fed you. I've protected you. But one of you is going to betray me. Knowing fully well what Judas was about to do. I've often wondered what it would have been like to have been Judas. There's a scripture that Jesus referenced here. It's from Psalms, I think, 49. He that eateth, with, eateth bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus referred to that here. That same heel that was lifted up against our Lord. Just a few minutes before our Lord held that heel in His hand and He washed it. Isn't that quite a remarkable thing? He washed the feet of the one that He knew was going to betray Him that very night. Why? Because He loved them until the end. That's right. Judas had every opportunity. I've heard people say Judas was predestined to, uh, to betray our Lord. No, he wasn't. Judas made a choice. You make a choice. Amen. You're not predestined to go to heaven. And you're sure not predestined to go to hell. But you have a choice. That when the Lord comes upon you, you can choose to repent. Or you can choose to ignore that. Amen. And so he washed that heel that in just a few hours was going to betray him. He said, one of you, one of you, my closest allies, are going to betray me. And Peter mouthed. He, he didn't speak. I think Judas was sitting right next to Jesus and John on the other side. Judas was in a place of prominence right next to him. Why do I say that? It's because the other gospel accounts, the other apostles didn't hear what Jesus told Judas. In the other gospel account. But Judas 
was there and Peter mounted John to ask him who it is. And being in that reclined position, John just laid his head back over the chest of his Lord and said, Who is it? And Jesus said, It's he to whom I give the sop when I have dipped it. And he dipped the sop and he gave it to Judas. And he told Judas, Whatever you're about to do, do it quick. And Judas went out into the night. Satan having now entered into him fully to betray our Lord. But he washed his feet. I can't imagine that kind of that kind of love. Angels ministered unto our Lord. Everything that is holy and pure is wrapped up in Him. We see now into the mind and the heart and the love of God. What He did, it was beautiful in one sense. It was humility. When He ungirded Himself of that robe, He knew that in just a little while, just a few hours, the soldiers were going to take that robe off of Him, strip Him naked. He was about to give His life. He knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew that in a few hours' time, He would be prostrate in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew the bloody sweat would be covering Him. He knew that He was going to stand in judgment, stand in the place of guilty sinners, He knew that nails were going to be driven into Him. He could have done anything He wanted to that night. And He washed feet. It's still hard. We sing a song. I don't know. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. I don't know what it's going to be like. But I want you to understand today that He loves you. He washed feet. What did he say? And I'll close with this. Wash one another's feet. He said, You should do as I have done to you. Now, what does that mean? Some people, some people in some denominations have foot washing services. I'm not opposed to that. I don't think it's an ordinance. Amen. Some churches do think it's an ordinance. I don't, uh, because nowhere in the early church should they have that service that we're aware of. I don't think he was talking about actually washing feet, but I have no problem with those services. I know people that's got saved at them. I know people who are talking about the Spirit being present at them, but I don't think it's an ordinance. So what's he talking about? What are we supposed to do to wash one another's feet? I know there are times that, that you've washed my feet. You might say, Preacher, why? When have we ever done that to you? There are times I walk through this life and I walk through discouragement. And I walk through despair. And I walk through anxiety. And I walk through the depression. And I wade through those murky waters. And I wade through the dust and the mire and the mud. And everything that Satan throws at me, I walk through. And you, by your kind words, wash my feet. I think that's what he was talking about. To do what the others. We're living in a culture that, that some treat others so poorly and so beneath them and so badly. And we need to be reminded that God above incarnated Himself into a man which was lowly enough. We talked in Sunday school, Brother Dwayne read the Scripture. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Even though He was equal with God. He didn't rob God. It wasn't that He robbed God. He was God. And He is God. 
And he's equal with the Father. Made himself of no reputation, but took upon himself the form of a servant. And he descended deeper still. He washed feet. I don't know what this is meant to you. But there are times that there are times that I go to him. And you don't have sometimes you can't be covered in, in sin on your feet, I guess. But there are times I just need a kind word, a comforting word. There are times I do need to confess my faults. And you know what he does? He pours out that water in a basin and he begins to wash my feet. Fellowship and unity. We talked about unity a while ago. To have unity with one another and to have unity with the Father requires washing our defilements. We need to live as close as we can to Him and be unified. And to do that, there has to be times He has to wash the filth off of us. You've been saved if you've been washed in the blood. You still need to have your feet washed from time to time. He washed feet. What we got for you? Go ahead with a song, brother. Thank you for paying attention. Thank you for listening.